What a great song. You just can't help but just groove just a little bit. And I know you're in church. You're like, is this okay? It's okay, right? Because it's a series, right? So if you haven't been with us over the past couple of weeks, we have been in a series called Tell Me What You Want, What You Really, Really Want. It's based off of Mark chapter 10, where Jesus is having a conversation with a guy named Blind Bartimaeus. His name isn't Blind Bartimaeus. Like, his first name's not Blind. We, we gave him that name. His name is just Bartimaeus. But he's blind, and Jesus comes to him and says, hey, well, what, do you, what do you want me to do? And what we did is we just we said, man, what, can you imagine if Jesus was just, bless you, if Jesus was just among us, and he, and he just said, hey, like, what is it that you want me to do for you? Like, what would, what would we say? And so you guys have actually helped steer the series. And so one of the things that a lot of people really, really want is connection. I mean, like a real connection, to like really feel connected, to find themselves with a group of people or perhaps even just a person that they feel, dare I say, divinely connected to. And what's interesting is, is that we've had this on the inside of us since we were kids. We've been trying to feel love. We've been trying to feel connected since we were in middle school. It's actually called conformity psychology. Conformity psychology is this idea that at a very young age, we begin asking ourselves the question, what must I do to fit in? Who must I become to belong? Is there some Thing that I need to be able to pull off in order to get deep connection from those around me. It could be uh, in, a, a, in a school. Uh, I, for me, I, I can only speak for me. I don't know what your middle school was like, but for me, I thought I would be loved. I thought I would be, I thought I would fit in. I thought I would really have true connection if I had great school supplies. Okay, like I remember first day of school, it was like everyone comes to the table and we find out whose family's got money and whose families don't, okay? And my family was a family that didn't have money, you know, so I had the number two pencils and then my friends coming in with the click pencils, you know what I mean? Like, oh, snap, oh, I see, I still got to sharpen my pencil. You ain't got to sharpen your pencil no more? That's awesome. They had gel pens, five-star notebooks. I went home, I said, mom, we got to step up our game. They got five-star notebooks. I got this dollar store, note me type of deal. Like, like I, I just felt inferior. I'm just like, I'm just trying to be in with the group, with the five. I want to be in the five-star group. You know what I mean? And then in high school, it got to another level. Um, it went from school supplies to cell phones, but not just the type of phone you had, the type of cell phone plan you had. I don't know if you remember the day where uh, you only had unlimited nights and weekends. So if somebody called you before 7 p.m. or 9 p.m., depending on what, who you had your service with, it was like, hey, man, call me back in like three hours, okay? You're not wa I'm not wasting minutes on you. You know what I'm saying? You had your good friends that you was like, you can do my daytime minutes. And you had everybody else, you like, you got to call me on the weekend. I'm not messing with you, okay? But if you had unlimited weekends, it was like, man, this dude is doing it. You know, it's like now you're... You're in, and the, and the older I got, it just it just changed to different stuff: cars, titles. If I get a certain degree, if if I live in a certain neighborhood, or if I make a, a certain salary, if if I meet a certain person, or if I could take a picture with a celebrity, or sit close at a concert, or go to a basketball game, or renovate a kitchen, that there would be this idea that people would like me more. That if, if I had a certain social media following, that if I had a certain amount of likes, a certain amount of comments, like, then, then maybe somebody's going to want to be, like, really connected to me. And, and it's interesting. We've all done some things, said some things, agreed with some things, 
all in order to, to fit in. Not just in middle school. Not just in our 20s. I'm talking in our 60s. We're still making decisions that you'd still go, I mean, I, don't, I just, just wanted to kind of fit into the, to the neighborhood. I, I don't want to be the only one whose front yard looks a mess, so, you know, let me run the lows and let me just start doing to, For what? We've, we've, we've expended a lot of energy to be loved and to, to fit in, to meet the status quo. And I'm not sure that it's gotten us what we really, really want. Because some of us got all the stuff. So all, some of us figured out what the conformity psychology math was. We figured out what the thing was. We got it. We got the car. We got, we got the house. We, we got whatever that thing was. And yet... You can be the most successful person in the world and not have one real friend. I know a lot of people in that situation. You'd be surprised the amount of people that you might even follow that are the most lonely people in the world. So how do we move from being in a lonely place to having true, deep connections? And, and, and this weekend, I don't want to just talk about how to just have regular connections because connect is kind of a... You know, it's a modern word. Hey, we should connect. We should connect. We should connect. Yeah, yeah, let's connect. Let's connect. But I'm, I'm talking a divine connection. I'm talking about a, a godly connection. And so what I want to look at tonight is a relationship that is found in Scripture that I truly believe is divine. And I believe if we could take some of the components of their relationship um, and, co- and paste it into our relationships, I, I, I actually think that some of the relationships that we have right now that are maybe on a surface level can go from being surfacey to, to divine. And that relationship is between Moses and Aaron. A lot of people are familiar with, with Moses. Moses' uh, backstory is uh, he was living in Egypt and saw uh, the Israelites being mistreated, so he murdered a Hebrew. You shouldn't do that. As mad as you are, you should murder somebody. He did. And... God meets him in a desert. He comes to this ex-murderer. Well, he's technically a current murderer. He's not ex. Like, no, that's who he is. So God comes to this murderer. He says, hey, I've got this massive plan for your life. I want you to go back to Egypt where you're the most wanted. And I want you to uh, liberate my people. I've watched their suffering enough. And, and I want you to be my spokesperson. I want you to go do something about it. And as you go through the, the narrative of Moses in the first couple of chapters of Exodus, what you'll find is Moses giving God excuse after excuse after excuse as to why he shouldn't do it. And finally, on his fifth excuse, uh, Moses gets so honest with God, and I wish, I wish some of us would be this honest with God. And, and finally, he, this is his final rebuttal to, to G-O-D. He says, Exodus 4.13, but he said, Oh, my Lord. Please send someone else. I mean, it's just it, the brutal honesty. He goes, hey, uh, listen, I've been nice. I've been telling you about my eloquent speech, and that's not a good deal. But listen, you know, that I'm gonna, I don't have any credibility with these people. I'm most wanted. And then he just goes, you know what? I'm out. Like, pick somebody else. No, I don't want to go. And then verse 14 is one of the scariest verses in all the Scripture. It says, then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. I don't know where you are in your life, but let me tell you where you don't want to be. You don't want to be in a place where the anger of the Lord is kindled against you. Okay, kindled? That sounds like an air fryer. Okay, that sounds like, 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 like this is sizzling. Okay, it's like, I don't, hey man, you might, want to, you might want to figure something out. And then 
Here's what God says. He says, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, watch this. He says, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you both what to do. This is what he tells Moses. He says, hey, Moses, let me tell you what's happening right now. Your brother Aaron is already on his way. Okay, like, which, which, which is good news for Moses, but here's what trips me out if you continue reading the story, which is in verse 27. It says, the Lord said to Aaron... Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. Wait, now just a second. You already told Moses that Aaron was on his way to meet you. But then, according to the 12 verses later, you hadn't even talked to Aaron yet. Which leaves us with one of two conclusions, maybe both. Uh, maybe we're dealing with the quantum realm right now and, and God is not confined by time. And so he can go to the future, talk to Aaron and come back to Aaron and say, yeah, guess what? This whole thing is going to work out, which, hey, God is not confined by our timeline. OK, so I, I'm all for that. Or B, he could trust Aaron. He could trust him. The Aaron had such a history of listening to God and obeying God, that he's like, man, I, I know that before I even ask Aaron to do something, I know he's going to do it, but technically this story is being told in reverse, based off of our logic. And, and, and so I, what I want you to know first and foremost today is what divine connections require on both parties' part is, number one, surrender to God's plan. I mean... Both of these guys have to just say, all right, I'm in. And I can't think of a more powerful connection than two people that have just said yes to God's plan. They've just said, hey, I, I'm, I'm just going to surrender to this plan. And, and when those two people get together, something powerful, something divine can truly happen. One of the most underrated components of the story of Moses is just how much Aaron is involved. In fact, if you were to Bible gateway search the word Aaron, or on your Bible app to search the word Aaron, here's what you would find over 12 times. You would find this phrase. It, 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 it goes just like this. It says, The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, dot, dot, dot. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, whereas if you're watching the Moses movie, if you've ever seen the Ten Commandments, you don't remember Aaron anywhere, okay? You're always just like, this is about Moses. He's the one with the tablets. He's the one with the staff. But what we find in the text is over and over and over and over again, it's going, this story is just, about Mo just as much about Moses as it is about Aaron. They're in this thing together. So now let, me just, let me just paint a very unrealistic picture for you for just a minute, okay? And while we're talking about unrealistic, mind you, we're gathered together believing that 
a 13-year-old virgin woman had a baby. So if we're talking unrealistic, like, we can go there, because that's kind of what we do, okay? Like, that's just kind of who we are, okay? There's a lot of things that are unrealistic. So just let me just paint an unrealistic picture of, of friendships and divine connections that you and I can have. Here's what I think would be ideal. Call me crazy. Call me unrealistic. Here's, here's what I think would be ideal for my life and for yours. Is if we had at least one, one divine connection, one friend that we hear God from with. One friend. One friend that she would say, hey, you know what, what we have in common is that God speaks to us together. That would be, that would be ideal. That would be divine. I, I'm not talking about, because there's many things that can connect us. Uh, we can like the Mavericks, and we're like, oh, yeah, 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 we cheered at the same game. But the, that's just a, it's just a connection. It doesn't make it divine. Um, I've, I've got this friend of mine that we played college basketball together so it's just like okay we're, we're bonded that way okay you know we we uh we've done ministry together for years okay we're bonded that way okay our, our kids hang out okay we're, we're, we're bonded that way but anytime i'm i'm in the same city as him and he lives in minnesota and i fly up to minnesota every now and then and anytime i land get in the car now you know what he has waiting in the car for me a worship playlist it's his Spotify playlist. He goes, hey, man, these are the latest jams. Are you ready? Let's go. And what happens in that car is, well, it's divine. I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with getting in the car and talking about NBA playoffs. And we have. I don't think that there's anything wrong about getting in the car and talking about what's the latest and greatest with business or getting in the car and, and talking about politics or going to get a coffee and just talking about marriage. But there is something that can happen in my life and in your life when we decide to take some relationships and some connections to the next level and say, you know what, what if this was divine? What, what, what if, just, just imagine in your life if you just had somebody that wasn't just a good friend, but a godly friend, a good friend visits you at the hospital and brings you food. It's a good friend. A godly friend comes to the hospital and prays for you with food. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, can I just cast a little vision for us a little bit? I mean, like, like we ain't got to pick one or the other. You know what I'm saying? You ain't got to be spiritual but not practical. Come on, bring me something good because, you know, sometimes it can be bad. Okay, so, I mean, but... I'm talking about the type of people that just say, I'm, I'm going to be intentional in what is underestimated about the Moses story, about the liberation of God's people. What Passover even means is the celebration of God's liberation for his people. Like, all of that doesn't happen without God speaking to Moses and Aaron. And what I love about the Moses and Aaron story is that God spoke to Moses in the most insecure season of his life. And he spoke to Aaron in a wilderness. Neither had ideal circumstances. The way the story is written, it makes it sound like Aaron's walking through a park. He's not. He's walking through a wilderness in a desert. So I don't know what kind of season... You might be having in your life. I don't know if it's a dry season. I don't know if it's an insecure season. I'm not sure where you are in your marriage. I'm not sure where you are in your career. But what would be really great 
is if you had this other divine connection where you just went, we're more than just sports buddies. There's something, there's something divine here. And we're both just trying to hear from God and something powerful happens when we hear from God together. I want you to see in Exodus 7, verse 2, it says, You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. Again, we've always told the story that Moses is the guy that's going to go and say, let my people go, right? Yeah, Moses is like, you want me to tell the people to go? You want me to tell Aaron to do it? Oh, that's perfect. I like delegating. Listen, hey, Aaron, talking to God, he wants you to go to Pharaoh, and you're going to do it. You got it? Cool. C- good luck, buddy. Like, I'm right. Like, we, we missed this. We missed this part in the text. It's like, no, this, this, this gets thrown on Aaron. And And then I love what verse 6 says. And I've never seen this before. It says, Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old. And Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Can you imagine getting ready for retirement? And all of a sudden God calls you off the bench. He goes, oh, we're not done with you yet. I mean, you're, you're getting ready. You're like, listen, I've worked hard my whole life. I'm getting ready to kick my feet up. And God's like, I'm not done with your life. And I, and I just got a feeling there's some people in, in that season of their life, they're just going, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to kind of let the next generation kind of do their thing. And it's just like, yeah, but your thing is not over. And it, and it works vice versa, too. There's some people who are, who are young and they're just going, no, 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 no man, I'm, I'm going to let the more mature season, like, I'm going to kind of let them do the God stuff, and I'm just going to kind of do my own thing. It's just like, do you know God? I, I just, I love reading Scripture because the stories never fit our paradigms. It's like we're always looking for the person who's in their prime, yet God rarely uses the person in their prime. In fact, God typically uses the person when they're, when they're the least qualified. Remember Virgin Mary? We talked about her a little bit earlier. 13 years old, not qualified to be a parent of a God, okay? So nevertheless, God's like, I just, all I need from Moses, Aaron, or Mary is one thing. Surrender. I just need somebody to say yes. I'll do the rest. I, I'm, just, I'm just looking for some people that are willing to say yes. And, and I just got to tell you, if, if you're lucky, and it's ideal, if you can find somebody else in your life who's willing to say yes at the same time, you might actually bump into what I like to call a divine connection. The second thing that I believe is vital to creating deeper connections isn't just surrender to God's plan. It's obedience to God's plan. And there is a difference. Because sometimes you can say, uh, like if I said, hey guys, uh, let's go walk on water. Who's in? A couple of people are like, yeah, man, all right, I'll go do that. Or we're going to go to the Sea of Galilee to do that. Or we're going to get on a plane. Or we're going to go to Israel. A lot of you would get on the plane. You're like, hey, I'm, surrender- I'm surrendering to God's plan. And-, and then we would get to the Sea of Galilee, and then I would say, hey, here's the boat. A-, a lot of you would get on the boat, and then I would say, all right, time to walk the plank. And in that moment, you might go, you know, I'll just take a picture of you, Ryan. You try first. It- it's, hey, uh, I need you to go to Pharaoh. Like, all right, cool, I'm in. Yeah, be- but that's not when you're facing Pharaoh. It's easy to say yes to God when you're talking to a bush. But when you're talking to a maniac, vitriolic leader who could cut off your head in a moment, it's really hard to obey. It's easy to worship on Sundays. It's hard to do it on Tuesdays, on your lunch break. It's 
obedience to God's plan. Exodus 8, verse 5, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, over the canals, and over the pools, and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. It's like Aaron's in this thing. He's going, do I, I don't know if I'm doing all the heavy lifting right now, but you just, I, I, it's easy to obey God until frogs are jumping around everywhere and you might find yourself in a position going, what in the world am I doing with my life? You just, just, like, th- this is crazy. And this is where it gets hard, hard to really obey. I surrender all is easier sung than done. It's got a great melody to it. Man, it's, it, it, can, it can be tough. And I just, what I've learned about obeying God is it's, it's really hard until you do it a lot. Then you kind of get in a rhythm. If, if you talk to somebody who uh, calls themselves a tither, they say, hey, I give 10% of my income. Like, they've been doing it for years. That ain't a big deal. But you talk to somebody who's giving 1% and you try and get them to get to 10, they're like, ah, oh, no, 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 no. What? What? It's, it's hard to obey God until, until you do it a lot. And, and here's what I might assume this weekend. I assume that there's something in your life that's difficult to obey God in. And some of you, I know, you're, you're, you're a super Christian. And you're like, nope, nope, Ryan, I got nothing in my life that's hard to obey. I just, I just wake up and I just do it. Okay. No. And even if that's you, I can prove that you have something that's difficult to obey God in. And the reason I know you have something difficult is because I know that uh, none of you work with perfect people. And the fact that you don't work with any perfect people means you have to obey God every single day with patience. And there's always somebody, guarantee you, I can find them at your job, in your house, somewhere, in your family tree, at a Thanksgiving table that tests your patience. And in that moment, you're going, God, will you want me to serve them mac and cheese? You're like, yeah, yeah, that's what I need you to do right now. It's like, and so here's the deal. Everybody's got their thing. For, somebody, for some people, their thing is a person that they're supposed to love. For some people, it's a, it's a neighbor. For some people, it's temptation. For some people, it's an, it's an addiction. But, but here's what brings us closer together. When we're all willing to raise our hand and just go, hey, uh, here's my thing. This is what built divine connections to say, hey, man, here, here's where, where, I'm, where I'm obeying God. And it's hard. And when you go, yeah, man, me too. I got, I got something too that I'm just, it's hard to obey. You don't want to be the person that sits in the small group and, and, and plays the one-up game. You know what I mean? Like you know more verses than they do. Oh, and then, you know, well, did you know that it says this in Revelation? It's like, no, we want to be the person that just goes, no, what if we played the one-up game on mistakes? No, 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 I've made more mistakes than you. Trust me, okay? Like, let me just, let me just share the thing that's a little bit difficult. Maybe the person that's a little bit difficult. As long as they're not in the same small group, that could be awkward, okay? But just, I just... I just know that a lot of the relationships that I have that I consider divine are people that have just shared with me their thing. And, and that, that has created a, a very deep connection. The last thing that I think is important to have deeper connections is faithfulness to God's plan. It's one thing to surrender and say yes. 
It's one thing to get in the boat. It's another thing to get out of it. But then there's something about when you've got a divine connection that keeps getting out of the boat with you. That there is a, there is a long haul. We, we've actually been through some things now. Faithfulness to God's plan. To be that kind of person that says, I'm not going to go in and out. I'm, I'm not wavering. No, I'm, I'm going to stay faithful to God's plan. I love Exodus 16:2. It says, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Well, again, this Moses story, a lot of times it's like, yeah, man, the people kind of like turned on Moses. It's like, no, they, they turned on Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron, the same Moses and Aaron that have been hearing from God together are now having a whole congregation turning against them together. And they still got to remain faithful to God's plan. And sometimes, just because we've surrendered to God's plan, we assume everybody else has. And when they don't, it's like, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? Should I just go with the crowd? Should I just... And so Aaron and Moses are having to stick in this thing together. Sometimes, I think we want to quit. Sometimes I think we just want to do our own thing. Sometimes we want to give up on God's plan. Working with people will do that to you. Marriage can do that to you. A career can do that to you. A pandemic can do that to you. Kids of all ages can do that to you, I've heard. Young parents I talk to, they're like, man, oh, man, these little kids, man, they just don't stop, they don't sleep through the night. I'm like, I know it's hard. Then I talk to parents of teenagers, and, and it's like, it's just a different heart, you know? I mean, it's just, and then I, I talk to parents with, you know, that get kids in their 20s, and they're just like, I'm trying to get them out of jail. I'm like, man, that sounds hard, you know? So it's like, everybody's got their thing, you know? But it would be great if, if in that moment where you felt like giving up, you had a divine connection that says, no, we're going to be faithful to God's plan. Don't you stop praying for your kids. Don't you stop being faithful at your job. I know everybody else isn't, but don't you stop, man. I got you. I'm in your corner. Um, I, I can't speak for you, but I can only speak for me. I can't survive without divine connection. I, I, I can't survive without somebody praying for me in my corner. And at this stage in my journey with the Lord, I don't want to. Why would I ever go back to trying to do things on my own? Exodus 17, verse 11. Israel's gotten to a place where they're in a battle. And the scripture tells us, whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. Winning, losing. Winning, losing. Everybody get the picture? But Moses' hands grew weary. Of course they would. Some of us can't even keep our hands up for one song, okay, let alone a whole war. You know what I'm saying? We're like, oh, our hands in pocket time. Come on, let's go. Let's, uh, this is great. So they took a stone and put it up under him, and he sat on it. And while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. My hope and prayer for each and every one of us is that we would have people in our life 
that hold up our arms when we've simply grown weary. That we would have people like Aaron, and now we've introduced a new character, her. We could get into him another day at another time. These are just some people that just come alongside their buddy and they say, man, why don't you have a seat? We'll, we'll help you fight today. Man, do you, do you have anybody in your life that fits the, the unrealistic description of what I described tonight? In the event that you're going, Ryan, you just painted a picture of, of something that is in Never Never Land. Let me tell you why I don't think it's Never Never Land. Because you may not be able to think of someone in your life who fits this description. But you could. If you don't have this person, be this person. We don't need more good friends. We need more godly friends. We don't need to be a good friend. We need to be godly friends. I think this is how we develop strong and divine connections. It's it's about being intentional to say, hey, we're not just... We're not just friends because we work at the same place. We're not just friends because our kids play on the same sports team. Now, let's take this to another level. God's got a plan for your life. And God's got a plan for my life. And there's times where it gets difficult. So what if we just helped each other out? How about in seasons where you grow weary, um, I hold up your arms. And in seasons where I grow weary, you could hold mine. I was just uh, with a friend in Atlanta who was uh, speaking about their battle with with COVID. They uh, are connected with um, an orphanage um, on the other side of the world. And at one point, she was in the ICU at 3 in the morning. And she said, I found myself in my darkest hour. And she was struggling to breathe. It had really attacked her lungs. And she reached out to her friends at the orphanage on the other side of the world. It was three in the morning here, but it was one in the afternoon there. And she said something that just changed my life. She said, the beautiful thing about how God created the earth is in your darkest hour, it's a sunny day somewhere else. That's why we need each other. That's why we need each other. Because I might be going through a season of my life where things are going extremely well. And you need me to come alongside you and lift up your arms. And there may come a day where I'm having a dark hour. But it's a bright and sunny day where you are. And sometimes you need my light and sometimes I need yours. I think it's something we really, really want. And what I want to encourage us to do this weekend is it should be something that we should really, really want to just be for other people. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity we we have had this weekend to just look at a story in your word of a great relationship. And God, I just, I pray that we would have some divine connections. God, I pray that we would control our part of a divine connection. We can't control someone else's part. God, I, I pray that we would just control ours and that we would, wouldn't just be a good friend, but we would be a godly friend. Help us to truly create divine connections. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen.